Discover joy, understanding God's grace. So we're in week three. We talked about salvation by grace and guilt in grace. Today's topic is sustaining grace. Um, Most of you know I'm a long-distance runner, and in November I'll be running the JFK, which is a 50-mile race. Now, when people hear that, the first thing they say is, you're crazy. I understand that. Okay. The second thing to say is, how do you do that? How do you go 50 miles on foot in one day in 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 a race? And my simple answer is this, I just keep going. As long as you don't stop, eventually you're going to get to the end. Well, the Christian life is a marathon. It's long. Hopefully, you have a long life. And so, how do you sustain yourself in your Christian life for the whole time? Um, Just like in running a race, you have to have the energy to keep continuing. So, the wonderful promise of God is He provides through His grace the energy or the power to sustain us. Um, reading a verse from uh, Paul, he wrote in the church in Philippians, he put it, put it this way. <clears throat> I am certain, I don't know about you, but isn't it great to be certain of certain things? I'm certain my wife loves me, for example. Uh, I don't doubt that. Well, it's, with a lot of things about God we should be certain about. Who began the good work within you, that's at salvation, when you begin your Jesus journey, Will within you, he will continue his work, notice it's his work, in us until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns or we go to meet him. <clears throat> God always finishes what he starts. I don't know about you, I get start projects and don't finish them. God always starts what he finishes. So what does that mean? Well, once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you enter his family, he's not going to let you go. He's promised you heaven at that point, and when you and I die, we'll go to heaven. He's going to finish it. He finishes what he starts. Now, why? Why does he do that? Because I deserve it? You deserve it? No. Because of his grace and his power, of course. So the only question is, how will you finish? And if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're watching or listening, and uh, I think this will be beneficial to you. And, And our prayer is that you begin your Jesus journey. The only question is, how will you end? You know, some races I end a lot better than other races. Uh, Sometimes people, I've always finished, thank God, uh, but some people get injured or whatever and can't finish the race. But we're guaranteed we'll finish, but the question is, will we finish poorly or will we finish well? Uh, Jesus talked about uh, and I, I hope that's your prayer too. Uh, we'll hear these words when we get to heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, how do we stay faithful? God says he will supply the power, sustaining grace. We can be faithful. Quick definition of sustaining grace is this. The power to keep going when I feel like giving up. Anybody feel like giving up? No, don't raise your hand. Uh, we all at times feel like giving up. Why don't we give up? God says, I will supply the power for you not to give up. I will give you the power to do what's right when you don't feel like doing what's right. That's God's grace. Now, in this marathon of life, there's lots of things that we can trip over. We can fall. And God wants to help us to stay 
standing. So I'm going to give you three big categories of things that we tend to trip over or fall. And then we'll talk about how to tap into God's grace. So the first category is this. Sustaining grace helps me to keep me standing. All these texts will use the word standing. Keep me standing when I'm, for example, tempted. Everybody understand temptation? All well tempted, right? Part of life, temptation. To do stuff we shouldn't do or not to do stuff that we should do. So let's read what Peter wrote, one of the disciples. He said, Warning, warning, stay alert, stay alert. Well, about what? He says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. When you and I have joined God's family, uh, we made an enemy. Did you realize that? Uh, If you're not a Jesus follower, you're part of Satan's family. And he's perfectly happy with you. When you change family, he gets upset. And he's described as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour you and I. Now, a lion tries to devour what? He doesn't attack the whole herd. He tries to pick out what? He tries to pick out one that's young, maybe not as fast or as mature, or an older one or a sickly one that can't run as fast, or just one all by itself. That's why, again, it's so important to be part of a body or group. We need to avoid those situations. So he uses those words, stand firm against, in this case, the devil. Be strong in your faith. And then he says, my purpose in writing, he's writing, uh, Peter's writing a letter to a church, is to encourage you and assure you, there is that certainty, assure you that what you are experiencing, attacks of Satan, is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in his grace. The power to resist Satan. So we're in this battle. We like to think Christ, life is easy, but it's not. It's a battle. Um, and the evil one does not, does, wants nothing more than to destroy us, uh, to knock us down. And so you and I, every day, make moral choice after moral choice. Will I do what's right? Will I not do what's right? All day long, every day, moral choices you and I have to make. Now, the interesting thing about temptation is this. The Bible says Jesus was tempted, just like you and I. So, no one can avoid temptation. Now, he was able to resist. You and I, obviously, haven't always. Most of our temptation comes to our mind. We get thoughts. And I don't know about you, but I get some crazy thoughts sometimes. Like sometimes I think, oh, God, there's no such a thing as a God. Or I get to all this feeling, I, I hate this person, or I hate this. Or uh, Those are not sins at that point. They are temptations. I don't know about you, sometimes I feel bad just because I had that thought. And that's one way Satan attacks us. That's one way he knocks us down. So I love what Martin Luther said. He said, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, right? But you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. So let me try and illustrate. Um, Sexual sin, that's one we're all familiar with, right? Lust and temptation to to work. Now, God made us sexual beings. Aren't you glad? It's part of being human. As long as it's in, of course, in God's guidelines. Uh, 
a little tricky. Sometimes my, my wife will ask me if I think this lady's attractive. How do I answer that question? <laughs> I mean, she asks. Uh, sometimes she'll say to me, uh, you know, I, I think that guy's handsome. That's fine. Noticing somebody's attractive, some part of God's creation, that's fine. That's not sin. When has it become sin? When you and I dwell on it, when you and I fantasize on it, when we imagine or picture, then it becomes lust and then it becomes sin. Um, Larry King, some years ago, was interviewing Billy Graham. And he, he was in his 80s at the time. And he said, you've been preaching, you've been a preacher, this famous preacher for like 60 years or 50 plus. He said, you've never had a moral failure. You never had a controversy. How, uh, how, how, how are you able to do that? And he quoted a Bible verse. Sounds like Billy Graham, right? He quoted a Bible verse. I'm going to use it here. It's in 1 Corinthians. So how did I stay out of controversy, sexual sin, and those other things as a, pre- a famous preacher? The temptations in your Paul's writing, he says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Now, as a preacher, I have to tell you, when somebody comes to me and they think they have this unique sin, I don't laugh out loud, but I kind of to myself, there's, there's no unique sin. There's, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing you experience or sin you get involved in that uh, probably millions of people have over the, over the centuries of, of, of history. But some people think it's unique. They think it's, and they often use that as an excuse. Well, nobody's ever had this experience before. Nobody's ever had this temptation, so of course I gave it. No. The Bible makes it clear there's no unique And on the other side, God will be faithful. God will be faithful to do what? Not allow the temptation to be more than you can. Again, there's how it stand. You don't have to fall to that temptation. God promises. We'll talk about how important it is. If God promises something, can anybody stop God from keeping his promise? And by God's nature, will he ever break a promise? Of course not. So here's his promise. Whatever you and I face, he will supply the solution. Here he says, when you're tempted, he will show you a way out that you can endure. Of course, you've got to take the way out. That's our, our side, our part. So, common problems means there's common solutions. Now, we are to run from temptation, flee temptation. Uh, run from the evil one. Uh, but an important part about running away from something is to run towards something. Those of you who have children, if they get scared, they run away from the source of, of, of the fear, but they don't just run around, do they? Or I don't think they do. They run where? To you, their parents, right? They run away from fear and they run to safety. And you and I are to run from evil and run into the arms of our loving God. So one area we stumble on is temptation. Another area is... When we're tired, we all get tired, right? When we're tired. Now, one reason we get tired, well, it's just natural, but another reason we get tired is because we are seeking to do what is right, not what is easiest. You probably all know people that their goal in life is just to be as easy as possible. I call that coasting. Now, the problem with coasting is, what is the only direction you can coast? Can you coast uphill? Can you make progress coasting? No, only thing you can do coasting is go downhill. So if you're fighting against, if you're paddling upstream, if you're trying to do what's right, 
um, especially when those people around you aren't, then you get tired. Uh, maybe you're only, only Christian where you work. Or maybe you're in some kind of sports activity. You're only Christian on the team. Or maybe you're the only um, <clears throat> Christian in your family. That might even be true. And so you keep trying to serve God. You keep trying to do what is right. When nobody else around you is, it's hard. And so it gets tiring. So where do you get the power to keep going when you're tired? Something else Paul wrote. He said this. It is God who enables us. Along with you, he's writing to this church. He said, you guys are helping me too. To stand firm for Christ. So where does it come from? God's enabling. He has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And I love this term, as the first installment. So the first thing that happens when you become a Jesus follower, you get the Holy Spirit. That's just the beginning. It's not all of it, but that's the beginning. Now the Holy Spirit comes in, and part of his job, as we talked about last week, is to, to convict us. We feel guilty of sin. But also to... Uh, that's one word I want. Instill in us the sense of forgiveness. But it's also to empower us. The word, the Holy Spirit in the Greek means power. Um, and so it guarantees. Don't you love guarantees? I love guarantees. Guarantees everything he has promised us. Now one reason we get tired is we misunderstand this. We try and do it ourselves. We work really hard. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to keep those commandments. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. How well does that work? It doesn't work very well, for one, and it's just exhausting. So there's this expression that goes this way. Stop trying and start trusting. The Christian life shouldn't be this heavy burden. Now, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble, but... There will be trouble, there's difficulty, but there is, again, a joy in God's grace. There's all kinds of Bible examples, Moses in the Old Testament, 80 years old, God calls him to lead his, the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And so for the next 40 years, I got to think about this, from 80 to 120, you know what he did? He led these people around in the wilderness, and what did they do the whole time? Whine and complain. I can't imagine for 40 years dealing with whining and complaining. How about, how about uh, Noah? God says, hey, Noah, I want you to build this boat. And I want you to make it big enough so these animals get in because it's going to rain and destroy everything. You know how long it took Noah? 120 years. Now, he didn't have power tools like we have today. And so it would have been a big task. He had a couple sons to help him. But I can't imagine, you know, 10 years go by. Oh, we got one part done. <laughs> another 10 years. Another part over here. Another 10 years. 120 years. How was he able to keep going? Because God's enabling power and God keep his promises. So uh, Philippians, Paul writes this. For God is working in you, giving you. Grace is a gift giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So why do you have the desire to do what's right? How do you, why do you have the desire to do what God wants? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. But then He also promises the power to do it. So 
I put this definition, I talk about this sometimes, willpower. Our human willpower is, I call it will weakness. Because whenever we set our minds to do something, almost always it, it doesn't last, does it? Are you on the same uh, diet program that you were with, you know, your first one, or exercise program, or reading the Bible program, or all these things we set our mind to do, and we don't do them, because it's our willpower is not power. But real willpower is God's will and God's power. Will God give you the power to do what he asks you to do? Yeah, he always will. He will never ask you to do something he will not supply you the power to do. When I was 17, and I felt like God wanted me to be a pastor, I said, I can't do this. Now it's 40, well, since then it's been a long time, but, but over 40 years in the ministry. Uh, God created the universe in six days, and the seventh day it says he rested. Why did he rest? Because he was tired? Does God get tired? God didn't get tired. He was finished. When you finish something, you stop, right? All right, so let me try and illustrate. I like trying to illustrate things. All right, so I want to cut this table up. All right? So here I go. It used to, used to work. Why is it not working? Ah, I had the power source, but it's not connected. Now let's see. I'm not going to cut the table off. Don't worry about it. All right, now it works, right? What was the difference? The power source was available, it just I wasn't connected to it. I wasn't drawing on it. So that's what's critical for you and I, to be connected to the power source. So we get tired. We get tempted. And we also get troubled. Life is difficult. Again, Jesus said you'll have trouble. But he also said, it's okay because I've overcome the world, if you read that text. Now, when I cause my own troubles, then I feel like I deserve it. God still will help. But there's a couple categories of trouble that really are difficult. One is when I'm innocent. When I haven't done anything wrong and I'm still suffering because of something someone else did. I don't know about you. Isn't that tough? Maybe your parents, your kids, your spouse, your boss. Uh, somebody did something and you were completely innocent, but you are suffering for it. Another category of of trouble that is really difficult is when it's continuous. Maybe the doctor said, you know, you've got, as you get older, you have ailments. And sometimes you get an ailment and the doctor says, eh, can't do anything for you. You just got to live with it. See, when we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's not so bad. But when there's no light at the end of the tunnel, it's just difficult. And it's easy to live in the if-onlys. You ever live in the if-onlys? Well, if only I'd taken better care of myself. If only I hadn't married that person. If I only hadn't done this. That's a waste of time. It solves nothing. It helps nothing. What you need is to focus. But focus where? Let me read you something from the Old Testament. I love this verse. It's so encouraging. God speaking. He says, don't be afraid. There's so much fear around, isn't it? He said, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. Well, creator of the universe, okay. I guess there isn't anything to be afraid of if I, you're with me. Even uses the word, don't be discouraged. It's been hard as a pastor not being discouraged since COVID has hit. And 
You know, attendance is less and less volunteers and so forth. I said, don't be discouraged. Why? Because God is with me. He promises, I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up. You don't have to fall with my victorious right hand. So if God's holding up with his victorious right hand, do you and I have anything to fear? Are we going to fall? No. Now some things you and I can't fix. We just can't. So we're dependent upon God to do those things. But other things we think we can control. One of the illusions that we have as human beings is we think we control a lot of stuff and there's very little you and I control. You didn't control when you were born, where you were born, how tall you would be. Uh, You can't control the weather. You can't control the stock market. You can't control the government. uh, The list is endless of things you and I can't control your spouse. Those of you who are married (laughs) can't control your kids. Uh, So most of life you and I can't control. So it makes us dependent upon the God that can hold us up with his right hand. Okay, so that's some areas of life that we tend to stumble. So how do we tap into God's power, God's sustaining grace? I'm going to give you four things to do. First one's this, cry out to God for help. We like to think we can do it ourselves. Well, do your best, but we need God's help. When we're tempted, we certainly need God's help. (laughs) When we're tired, we need God's help. And when we're in trouble, we need God's help. Reading a verse from James, he said it this. And he, God, of course, gives grace. Notice that next word, generously. Why can God give grace generously? Because his his grace is unending, right? Never going to run out. So he can be generous with it. You and I can't. We have limit to our generosity, but he has no limit. Then he quotes his Bible, his old te- our Old Testament. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud. Who is a proud person? A proud person is the person that believes he can do it on his own. And when you do that, you say, okay, God never forces himself on anybody. So if, God, if you think you can do it on your own, God stands back and says, okay, go ahead. But he gives grace to the humble. That's the person who says, I need help. I can't do it on my own. So makes sense to do what then? Humble myself before God. God, I need your help. Cry out to God. Again, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But you're all supposed to flee from him. We've talked about that. Come close to God. See, God never moves. God doesn't need to move. He'll never leave you or forsake you, but you can leave him. You can go wherever you want. And he'll wait. He patiently waits like the prodigal son's father. And he's ready and willing to open his arms to you when you come back. So, God's there. Just draw close to him and he'll be close to you. Parents, it won't be long and people, or maybe your kids are already asking for presents for Christmas. I don't know. But kids will give you a list, won't they? They'll say, I want this, this. Let me use these. I want a bike and I want this and this and this. And next time they give you a list, there's different stuff on the list. But maybe the bike's on there every time. I want a bike, and this, this, this. And there's lots of things I would like. So if you hear that list three or four or five times, and the only thing that's on the list every time is the bike, what are you most tempted to, most likely, to buy that, son, uh, that child for, for Christmas? The thing that they really wanted, right? They were passionate about it. They were enthusiastic about it. 
And so when you, you and I cry, cry out to God, I think we need to be passionate about it. We need to be enthusiastic about it. We need to really be all in about it. So cry out to God. Secondly, fill your mind with God's Word. Fill your mind with God's Word. Uh, we talked about most of the temptations come in your mind. I, hopefully you read your Bible regularly, hopefully every day. But how many times have you been reading your Bible and maybe you were depressed when you started reading it, but you felt better afterwards, right? Or maybe you were discouraged and then you felt better after reading it. Maybe you felt tempted before you started reading and you felt overcame the temptation after you read it. There's a, an amazing power source in God's Word. Uh, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. And the whole chapter is about God's words. I'm just going to give you one, one verse. It says, revive and refresh me. How do you and I get revived and refreshed? By God's word. Now, most of you know about Star Wars. Star Wars came out in 1977. I just got married in 1976. My wife and I went and saw it. Saw the first movie. And in the movie, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi says to Luke. What does he say to Luke? He says, Look within yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at myself, I don't like what I see often. And I don't have in me to do what I want to do. So where? Where do I go? To God and God's Word. I laugh every time I read this. Uh, some years ago, Psychic Friends Network filed for bankruptcy. Go to court... And the lawyer says, gets up and says, uh, because of unforeseen for circumstances, we have to file bankruptcy. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I thought that was your job, <laughs> to foresee the future. Uh, God can supply what we need. No psychics, no within us, only God. Uh, get into God's word. Thirdly, accept support from other people. Again, we like to think we can do it on our own. Or I think couples especially think they can do it on their own. But no, no. God didn't design the Christian life to be a, a solo act. He didn't be the Lone Ranger. Uh, we need each other. Now, sometimes you don't. Let's be honest. Sometimes you, you're, you're doing well. And it's interesting. I notice this in marriage even. Sometimes when my wife's not doing well, I'm doing pretty well. And so I can help help her. And sometimes when I'm not doing well, she's doing pretty well. Same thing. And that's why we encourage you to be in a small group. Be in a group of people. It doesn't have to be at our church. It could be a group somewhere else. Be in a group of like-minded, spiritually-minded people. So when you're down, they can help you up. And when you're down, uh, and vice versa. Uh, just one verse. Galatians, Paul writes this. Share each other's burdens. Well, I can't share it unless you share it with me, right? And we Sunday morning worship is great, but we don't sit around sharing uh, our burdens on Sunday morning. <clears throat> and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love one another the way I've loved you. And you can't love one another as a solo act. You need to be involved in other people's lives, doing life together. So, you pray about your involvement in a small group. If God tells you not to be in a small group, don't be in a small group. I can't imagine him say, answering your prayer that way, but go ahead and pray about it. I'll challenge you with that. Uh, so we need each other. And lastly, 
Hold on to God's promises. Hold on to God's promises. When you and I get kind of off track, it's because we're not, not believing them, not holding on to them, forgetting them, ignoring them, not believing them, whatever it might be. Someone has said there's 7,000 promises in the Scripture, which there could be, because everything God says is a promise, right? Because he, he never changes his mind, he, he, he never lies, he never, no one can stop him. So everything he says is a promise. Someone's described the promises of God as a blank check. I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, do I, will I be in need? Oh, there's a blank check. God says, I'll supply all your needs. Okay. So uh, he promises to supply what I need. He promises to supply the way of escape from temptation. The promise after promise after promise is a blank check from God. So reading from Isaiah, pretty familiar passage. I love the imagery. He, God, gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Do you ever feel weak? Do you ever feel powerless? God says, I want to give you the power. I want to give you strength. Notice the image. Even youth will become weak and tired. Most of it, well, it might be some of you here are young. I'm not. So, I, you know, it's nice to understand. Everybody gets tired. Even young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Added strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. What a beautiful image. Doesn't seem like they're using any energy at all, does it? They will run and not grow weary. Occasionally I'll get into this rhythm when I'm running. I'm just kind of running along and it doesn't seem to be any work. And walk and not faint. So, where do you need God's sustaining grace? Where do you need God, the endurance to keep going? Last, last verse I want to read for you is in, out of Hebrews. <clears throat> There's the imagery of Christian life being a race. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, you can run some other races, <laughs> but he says the race that God has set out for you. How do you do that? Well, we do this by keeping your eyes on Jesus. Again, when you run away from something, you run towards something. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So what he starts, he's always going to finish. So think of all the hostility he, Jesus, endured from sinful people and for sinful people, you and I. Then you won't become weary and give. As a runner, I can't focus, long-distance runner, I can't focus on the pain. If I focus on the pain, what would I do? I'd stop. This, 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 this hurts. I, why am I? People say to me, why do you do that? It's, it looks painful. Um, but I, what do I focus on? I focus on the finish line, or in this case, my training schedule, you know, how far I want to run that day. <clears throat> and so... Friday, I ran 13 miles, and, uh, and at three miles in, I think, oh, I've got 10 more to go. And it's just kind of my mindset. You focus on the destination, then you can keep going. So I always try and give s- something to think about, some next steps. But here's the one I got have for you this morning. In which area of life are you struggling? Do you feel stuck? Is it temptation? 
is that you just seem exhausted. I know, especially for parents, COVID's been really exhausting. Or is it just you got some, your soul is just troubled by something? Have you cried out to God? Are you filling your mind with God's word? Are you accepting help from other people? And are you holding on to God's promises? I pray that you do. Uh, we're in this series about grace. We'll continue with next week. Hopefully you can join us. Let me pray with you as you leave. Father God, thank you. We thank you for your wonderful promises. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your character. We thank you for the, this promise of the power we need to endure, the power we need to uh, keep on keeping on. God, you know these folks that are, that are here or the folks that are watching or listening. You know what area of life they're struggling. I pray that they would cry out to you. And they would do the other things we talked about. Because we know if we do those things, you promise us the grace, the power we need. And if anyone listening is not a Jesus follower, we would so much encourage you to at least pursue that. To just try and figure out what it's about. Um, we'd love to help you do that. And maybe the day's the day you step across that line. Say, okay, yes, yes, Jesus. I am not in control of my life. I need you. I need you for forgiveness of my sin so I can have a relationship with you and eternity with you. I need power to live this life in victory. I'm so defeated by this area or by that area. God always answers that prayer. So we thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to us, your love for us, your grace, your mercy. In your name we pray, amen.